On today's uh, Prime Podcast, we have a special. Mr. Lynn Jenkins is stopping by a dear friend uh, with a lot of knowledge to give. He's going to tell his story of his life. This is a part one. I hope you guys enjoy. He has a lot to show. Three-time Life Achievement Award. That's one of the highest awards you can get from the community. And he's got it from three. So stay tuned for more. Hope you guys enjoy. Again, this is Prime Podcast. All right, welcome back to the program. We have Mr. Lynn Jenkins with us, ex-military for Air Force, IBM, AT&T. He won a couple of Life Achievement Awards for the city of New Jersey, San Jose, and the Bronx. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, Tell us about, um, you know, your your first half. Um, I know of your life, uh, you you were grown, raised. And um, just tell me about your experience, your life experience in the Bronx. Well, you know, like... Like many others, you know, it was nothing special uh, about being born and raised, other than the fact that we all can relate to our environment, where we're from. We all have pipe dreams as young people. Mm-hmm. When I say pipe dreams, I mean young men uh, either sitting in the courtyard or standing on the corner uh, sharing where we're going to be in 5, 10, 15 years, not knowing or having a plan how we were going to escape or get mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. but holding hope mm-hmm. that our dreams somehow or another would come to pass and uh, um, there was nothing special about any any of us anything that stood out significantly of them we were friends yeah. and um, and so our dreams were our dreams and uh, however we got there we didn't know how we were going to get mm-hmm. there but mm-hmm. uh, we, we believed that we would mm-hmm. um I know you moved out to California and a little bit later on in your life, but before you moved out there, um, what represents, what is being from the Bronx? What does that, you know, what does that signify? Well, it, all it signifies is that, uh, you know, you come from a place that are like a, many other places mm-hmm. in the United course, States, okay? Yes. When you start talking about inner city, mm-hmm. you start talking about places like uh, Los Angeles, mm-hmm. Philadelphia, Detroit, Chicago, um, Miami, Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, we all can relate from the standpoint that mm-hmm. we probably all shared somewhat of similar upbringings and exposures. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, so there's nothing that that probably that I experienced or seen or done that wasn't experiencing mm-hmm. or done many many other mm-hmm. places mm-hmm. here in, in the country. Uh, my only thing is I had I had a dream. Always felt in my heart of hearts that if I was going to have a chance in life, that I would have to somehow or another get away from mm-hmm. uh, uh, the environment, which, of course, you know, born and raised in. Um, and that's not to slight where I'm from or where I was born. Absolutely and not. Yeah. But but mm-hmm. to but to acknowledge the fact that the numbers didn't say that there would be <clears throat> anything but uh, trying times or waiting. Mm-hmm adulthood Mm -hmm. and I knew at a young age that if I was going to have a chance at life not just for me but if at some point in time I got married or had children Mm -hmm. that I needed to be somewhere where I may be able to afford them a chance in life okay not my dad (coughs) did the best he could Mm -hmm. and I understand that and I appreciate it because Mm -hmm. it was his silent way of doing things that had a tremendous effect on me Mm -hmm. I just know that there was just no way I could 
endure that path. Exactly. Although my path was very challenging. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to downplay that. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of uh, reasons why maybe I shouldn't be here talking to you now. Yeah. But but the fact is I am, and I and I, I really uh, uh, give the praise to God because I, I may have had a dream, but I didn't have a plan. Yeah. And so, uh, to be honest with myself, uh, because of my life coming up as a young person, because of my exposure to things that most children should not be exposed to, mm -hmm. uh, I knew he had a hand on me sitting here to this day mm -hmm. talking to you, which of course wasn't planned. This is something that we're doing pretty much uh, uh, spontaneously here. Mm -hmm. So this is about realistic as it gets for me. Yeah. Okay, um, but, my, but my childhood was one that did not say that I was ever going to be anything significant because mm -hmm. it just wasn't coming out that way, you know. But I do thank my father for his uh, what I call basic wisdom. He wasn't highly educated or anything like that, but but he was hardworking. Um, he was dedicated. He was loving quietly in his own way. He wasn't <laughs> one of those hug your hug your daddies or anything yeah. like that. But yeah. but the basics he had yeah. entrenched in him. Mm -hmm. I was able to take that part of, mm -hmm. from him, mm -hmm. and at some point down the line in my life, mm -hmm. I, w I would recall, I would call upon mm -hmm. just the basics, mm -hmm. going to work, mm -hmm. making sure your children eat, mm -hmm. providing a place to live, mm -hmm. the best you can. Absolutely. You know, uh, 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 when times got hard, yeah. don't abandon. Yes. Okay, yes. don't abandon. Mm -hmm. You know, um, cherish the fact that you have these children, cherish the fact that you can be there for them. Mm -hmm. I took those values from him. He was a he was a man that make you laugh just as soon as 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 uh, as to give uh, you the shirt off his back. Mm -hmm. But he had a tremendous way of making people laugh, and mm -hmm. I did adopt that part of his personality over time. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, I, I used to just watch him, and I said, "My dad's telling these stories." And they know that he's not telling the truth, but they're laughing anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and my, my father called it lying. He said, you know you're a good liar when when they know you're lying, yeah. and they ask you to tell that lie again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, good story, man. Yeah, 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 so he's a storyteller. Exactly. Of course, that's exactly, exactly what he was. He was a storyteller. Mm -hmm. And I grew to be one myself in terms mm -hmm. of uh, uh, using that route to make people. I said I may even use myself as a, an example. I, didn't, I did not tell a story at the expense of someone else's feelings mm -hmm. or dignity mm -hmm. or their life. Mm -hmm. So I would a lot of times tell a story about myself mm -hmm. and laugh at myself yeah. so that people understood that whatever I was sharing with mm -hmm. them was not meant to be uh, vicious no, absolutely or, or, or insensitive, yeah. you know. Because um, you're actually explaining your life experience. Exactly, you know? exactly. So if you're laughing at yourself, that, then, you yeah. know, it's, it's all good. You it's know? all good, exactly it, right. So don't take it personal because even I make mistakes you yes. know, or I make achievements, but we're all human at the end of the day. Um, I think that's a great thing, especially when you mention your father. Like, I think that in those instances, those examples, uh, father figure at times like that in your situation and also probably mine. Mm -hmm. um, you don't want to show too much of a love where in a sense where there's different levels of love. Like if you mm -hmm. were to show you too much, then you'd be like, hey, look, son, yeah. when you grow up, it's not all roses and rainbows and right. it's all lovely WW, but it's right. also tough too. So let me give you a both mixture at an early age. So mm -hmm. before you get to that peak of a certain other young man like as yourself, mm -hmm. um, you're already well seasoned and well experienced at that level. So you're yeah. able, like you said, he, he uh, raised you and your brothers and sisters very well. He, he was a basic man. He, mm -hmm. he never, he never, he didn't have the conversations with me that I had with my sons. Yes. 
okay, or my daughters, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the my level of conversation with my children were one step up from the level he, mm-hmm. he may have had with me. Mm-hmm. His thing was about working hard, making sure that we had a roof over his, making sure that we had something to eat. Mm-hmm. And then many times it weren't, but it wasn't because he wasn't out there giving it his best. It's mm-hmm. just that the timing is everything back there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, you learn to eat bologna and cheese like it was steak. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, we understood. Right? We weren't hungry no more. <laughs> hey, we all had humble beginnings, man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Let's. Um, uh, okay. All right. <laughs> IBM. I know that was a, a one of those chapters in your life that changed everything um, from who you are inside and out, and how you represented yourself afterwards. Uh, explain to us, you know, what that experience was. Well, before I went to work for IBM, I was homeless. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, my life, child, my life, my, my, my childhood was not one that I would wish on any child, mm-hmm. and I won't go into too much detail because then I would have to expose things that mm-hmm. I don't want to expose. Not, no. But I was homeless, mm-hmm. um, sleeping in the train stations mm-hmm. uh, for 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 quite a while, mm-hmm. uh, only because I could no longer <clears throat> endure some of the things I was being exposed to mm-hmm. in my home environment. Uh, a friend of mine went to his mother um, and told her about my situation even after I told him not to say anything. Mm-hmm. And thank God, for, his name was Lawrence, and thank God for him that he ignored what I asked him not to do, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and he came and found me downtown at the train station. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what, I slept there because that was the only place that was warm. This was in the dead of winter in February. Um, I remember he come to get me, and he took, and took me to his mom's house, where he lived, of course. And... Uh, she called me into her room, and she sat on the edge of her bed, and me and her conversated, and I told her that um, um, her name was Miss Pittman, Miss mm-hmm. Vieta Pittman, and I told her that I had nothing to offer her. Now, of course, I didn't have a job. Mm-hmm. I was still in school age and not knowing, you know, where I was going to go next, but she was the first person that ever said to me in life, first of all, she made sure that I was going to stay there in her home with her family. Mm-hmm. Which went, on, which went on to be brothers and sisters to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, she made sure, the first thing she told me was that, that no matter what my situation, God was gonna make things right. Now at the time, of course, I didn't know the brevity of what she was trying to share with me, but it, it beat being cold and lonely. And uh, But she had all the faith in the world that my life was gonna be okay now. And, uh, and uh, she became like the mother I never really had. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a mother, and I loved my mother, but mm-hmm. um, it, it just wasn't ideal. Absolutely. And yeah. so she became uh, uh, the God gave me a mother that I never had, and she gave me that, un, that unconditional love. And mm-hmm. and by her taking me in, she literally saved my life. Because from her taking me in, mm-hmm. there was a program that IBM was running. Uh, it was the minority program, minority hiring program. Mm-hmm. 40 African Americans for 10 job positions. Wow. And, but you had to interview. Uh-huh. And that was the first time in my life where I truly interviewed for a job. I didn't realize it was going to be a profession. It was, <laughs> you know, it was going to be more than a job, but it was only Surprise. going to be a profession if I survived. It. Yes. So of the 40 of us that, that applied, 30 of us weren't going to make it. We uh-huh. knew that. So one in four. Yeah. Okay. So we're pulling straws here, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so you get past the first interview process, now it's down to 20. Mm-hmm. 
if you survive the second interview process, now you're down to 10. So now I'm one in the 10. By the uh-huh. grace of God, I'm one in the 10. Uh-huh. You got to remember now, I'm still street raw. Yeah, I'm yeah, still, yeah. there's nothing about me that's, you know, I didn't, I don't, I, I didn't speak the way I'm speaking now. Yeah, yeah. You know, I still spoke street. I yeah, still yeah. acted street. Yeah, I, yeah. Th- that's what I knew, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, um, I was one in the 10 hired. Mm-hmm. That was a great day. And, you know, here I, I went from, I went from, I went from basically sleeping in train stations to at some point, wow going to work for IBM. Incredible. Okay, and what made that so uh, amazing was that IBM knew that most of us didn't have transportation to work. Mm -hmm. And the job was located at least 20 20, 20, uh, 20 to 22 miles away from where we lived. All right, so IBM (laughs) IBM would have a van pick us up at certain locales and Mm -hmm. then take us to work. We'd get on that same van, and he'd take us back into the city, and drop, and they would drop us off. But it was up to us to be back on that same location the next day so they can take us to work. Now, that just doesn't happen, no. all right? And, and we still, we're still young because we're still trying to stay up late at night mm-hmm. and call ourselves being ready to go to work. And mm-hmm. we had to go through the whole process of learning how to attend meetings, learning time management, learning professional development. I was literally going to work every day, but because I was up so late the, the night before, yeah. I was falling asleep in meetings. Wow. And they even and it got to a point to where they told me if I fell asleep one more time, that... <laughs> Tap you on that shoulder, I'm, huh? I'm gone, right? And believe it or not, here it is, mm-hmm. another meeting. And I was starting to doze. And a very, very good friend of mine to this day, uh-huh. Barbara Young. Mm-hmm. Well, her name was Barbara Jones now. Okay, mm-hmm. her Barbara Jones. She hit me on my arm before my head went down. <laughs> if she doesn't hit me... Yeah. We wouldn't I'm, be talking right I'm now. I'm asleep. Oh. And it won't be, I wouldn't be here talking to you now because it wouldn't yeah. have been any IBM. Yeah. Wouldn't have been no AT&T. Yeah. Wouldn't have been no, uh, no military. No. You know, but she hit me yeah. on my arm. I, 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 I woke up and I stayed awake for 32 more years. You know? And, That's crazy. Uh, and of the 10 of us that got hired, uh-huh. that was in that board, in that meeting room that day, uh-huh. of the 10 of us that got hired, six were gone by the first year. So here we went from 40 to 20 to 10 to 4. And 30 years later, of the four of us that survived that first year, the four of us retired. It's amazing. Do, do, do the percentage. I, I the percentage is 10%. Of the original 40, mm-hmm. only four made it through the, through, the race, through the race. We finished the race. Four of us made it. 30, 30 years later, we crossed the finish line. That's one in 10 made it. One in 10. One in 10. And, and the odds of that, now you gotta remember, this all started when Miss Pittman took me into her home mm-hmm. and told me everything was gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. I go to work for IBM. Two years in, I get a letter from the United States government saying, you've been selected for the United States Armed Forces. You have uh, 30 days to report. Oh, no. Back in those days, they drafted you. Yeah. You so no choice, huh? I, I got the letter. I went to IBM management and told, me, and I told them, I said, well, I've got my letter. I'm being inducted into the United States Army. Mm-hmm. And I said, I worked for you now for two years. I said, but I'm going to take two days off, tomorrow and the next day off. He said, well, what's your plan, Lynn? Well, my plan is to test with every major military arm in the country. Mm-hmm. Air Force, Navy, 
Army and Marines. Oh, so not just one. You just did No, I tested with all of them because I wanted to see where the Army was going to use me, although I already knew where they were going to use me because that was the Vietnam era. Mm -hmm. You were going to be taught how to shoot a gun, and you are going to be infantry, or you are going to be a ground pounder. Mm -hmm. But you weren't going to be anything specialized. No. Okay, that much I knew because I saw too many, too many friends, too many people come home that the country just, they just despised them. All right. So two days later, I go back. Mm -hmm. I formulated my letter of uh, leave of absence, mm -hmm. Carmen Andretta. Now, mm -hmm. you got to remember, this is 60, this is uh, 70, okay, this is 70 now, 70, okay. almost 71. Okay. Carmen Andretta was the very first manager I ever had at IBM. Mm -hmm. Now, I remember his name. Here it is. This is almost 2021. Yeah. I'm talking 1971 when I wrote that letter, and I remember my very first manager. His name was Carmen Andretta. I can see him just as if he's sitting here with us. And uh, I told him that I tested well with all the branches, and I decided to uh, go into the United States Air Force. Mm -hmm. He said, the Air Force? I said, yeah, I'm going into the Air Force. I've already been accepted, and I need to report before I have to report for the Army. Mm -hmm. So he says, okay, Len, we're going to go ahead and give you a four-year leave of absence. And um, and I got a partial I got partial payment. That's good for, for my first two years there. That's good from them because yeah, yeah. I had given them two years of service, mm -hmm. and they held my of course they held my position, they held my job mm -hmm. for me. Um, I went into the Air Force. Um, I once I attained the rank of sergeant, mm -hmm. which was a few years in. Um, uh, I was able to uh, go to the uh, what we call the non-commissioned officer school or the NCO Academy, mm -hmm. and. Uh, at March Air Force Base, which is in Riverside, California. Okay, okay. That was my first encounter with so shaking hands. With, yeah, that was my first encounter with shaking hands with a three-star general because he's the one that gave me my diploma when I graduated okay. from the Academy. And uh, by, by this time, I, you know, there's uh, a son and two daughters in my life. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it was imperative that I was successful in the military in order for me to try to provide the life that I had that pipe dream about mm -hmm. under, on that, under that street light with yeah. my friends talking that night. Yeah. It was amazing what was happening to me, and I'm saying, it's happening. You know, it's truly, truly happening. Mm -hmm. And it all started when Miss Pittman took me into her arms and welcomed me into her home, and she could not have loved me more if she had not birthed me. She couldn't have loved me anymore. Okay, and um, yeah. and oh yeah, and uh, and and, and I, I, I I skipped a part of my story to go from her house to the airport, mm -hmm. but before going in, I had a group of children a group of kids that mm -hmm. I was led to because what I was being led to do, I had never participated in it myself. Yeah. I was so how am I going to pull this off? Again, that was God giving me my calling. And my calling was to go back into the neighborhood that I was from and make sure I save as many children as I could. Wow. I had no plan. Yeah. I had no clue how I was going to do yeah. it. Yeah. But I got those kids. I went mailbox to mailbox in my neighborhood I, and I told people who I was and that I needed to have their children meet me at a place called the Neighborhood House. Okay. On this particular Saturday morning in February of 1970. Yeah, 70. So this is one year prior to me going into the military. Mm -hmm. But I was already with IBM. They met me there and I gave them this big, huge promise. I didn't have a dime in my name. I had this huge promise of them going to be successful. I said, we're going we're gonna to travel. We're going to compete. You know, it was, it was, uh, it was uh, what we call, uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. And um, um, uh, that we were going to compete and we were going to be winners and we were going we to travel. You guys are going to be recognized. I was making all these promises that I had no idea how I was going to keep, um, keep those promises. Mm -hmm. But I did, did know in my heart yeah. that I was going to see the journey through with them. 
and the, and the parents, the support of the neighborhood, the support of the parents in the neighborhood. They entrusted me with their kids. They allowed me to take their kids out of town. Mm -hmm. They allowed me to take their kids across state lines. Wow. On the promise that you, they were yeah. going to be with me, exactly. and I had two mothers, Eloise yeah. and and uh, uh, mm -hmm. Eloise. Oh my goodness, I miss Capers. Gene uh, um, Capers, Gene mm -hmm. Capers, and, and Eloise Byron. Mm -hmm. They were the two volunteer, mm -hmm. hand-on mothers who were my president and vice president. Mm -hmm. I had between those two ladies, I had six of their sons in my in, in my group. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, and uh, that preceded my going into the military, but we were very successful. Mm -hmm. We had, we had, uh, they, they were traveling, and they were, when kids were going home on Friday nights, they were getting on buses going to places like New York or going to Philadelphia mm -hmm. or going to uh, Keystone, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, and uh, uh, it, it was amazing. They were like, to them, they were like stars. Mm -hmm. And not only did they compete, they became winners. Yeah. And when I say winners, I mean, I was so proud of them. They That's were good, young. Man. They That's were good. young. Yeah. And um, they preceded yeah. me going into the military. Yes. And my going into the military, I come back years later, yeah. and some of my kids have gone into the military. Wow. So they use your, your example yeah, we, of saying, hey, this is another way out. Yes. I did another way to do if it. Yeah. If it had not been for IBM's donation of $2,500. Yeah. Yes. In, 20, in 1970, IBM gave me $2,500 for my inner city project with those kids. Yeah. They were the only corporation that donated money to help me. Mm -hmm. And IBM did it because they knew or they heard about my involvement mm -hmm. and they wanted to be a part of it. $2,500 back in 1970, it's like $10,000 now, $15,000 now. Yeah. So I had more money than, yeah. you know, than I ever had. Exactly, yeah. And not for me, yeah. it's for those kids. It's absolutely. And, and, and those kids, uh, those kids paid me back many, 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 Mm -hmm. Let's just say, say decades later they paid me okay. back. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, your experience in the military, I know you, you told me you're, what, in Alaska or something? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, but you also mentioned a time where, you know, you, about the spiritual clock. Can you yeah. explain to me more about that? Well, the spiritual clock didn't come along to much, 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 much later. Mm -hmm. I was out of the military. Mm hmm I went back to IBM uh, back east, and they and I I was a I I, doc, I handled documents from uh, the three major cities mm -hmm. on the coast. I was New York, New Jersey, and Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. I handled IBM system material between those three states, mm -hmm. and uh, and I was only back home from the military for three months before I had an assignment to go to California. Ah, okay, the spiritual okay. clock that you're talking about yes. didn't come to me until golly that this uh, California I was seventy five. Yeah. The spiritual clock never came to me until 19... That's a further down. Yeah, huh? oh, oh, man, much... Oh, no, it wasn't even 19. The spiritual clock came to me in the year 2002. Okay. And that, that, that's another whole yeah. chapter. Yeah. That's another whole chapter in my mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. That chapter, which is an ongoing mm -hmm. journey that started with Miss Pittman mm -hmm. in her home. Mm -hmm. That my journey to this day continues because of her taking me into her home. Mm -hmm. For me to sit here with you sharing this information on your podcast... Mm -hmm. It's, it's just an elongated extension of her love yeah. and her belief that I was going to be whatever God wanted me to be and that not to worry about failure. And do you think that she also experienced the same thing as you did? As, well, I you think I, it's more of a like, she, what she saw in you that, hey, let me 
take this gentleman in because I know who he is. Well, she had tremendous love for her children too. Exactly, but I yeah. think you think that she also experienced that of her growing her experience growing up. I, I don't know because I never delved into that part. I just say intuition. Yeah, intuition you know, wise, like she believed. Yeah. See, she believed because mm-hmm. she believed mm-hmm. eventually. I believe exactly. because I was taking on responsibilities I had mm-hmm. no idea I was mm-hmm. supposed to be taking on. Mm-hmm. I was wondering how the heck I was going. I was making yeah. promises, and you know anything about inner city kids? Boy, you yeah. lie to them, yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. get a second chance. No, you don't. Huh? Oh man, I, you know, anything, oh, yeah. anything. I'm not, and it wasn't an easy journey. I, no. I, I actually worked them to death. Yeah, you know, to learn how mm-hmm. you had to be somewhere on time. Mm-hmm. Now, when when you got there, it wasn't gonna be no. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it was work. Mm-hmm. It was work. I mean, I saw kids go from 225 pounds overweight down to 150, 160, wow. because I worked them that hard. And and one parent told me that was a. And one parent told me he said, "Money, he hasn't been in this kind of shape in his whole life." <laughs> she said, "What you did to my son is amazing, but you costing me money because yeah, right. buy all new clothes, right? all new clothes, yeah. yeah, yeah." But but with that said, mm-hmm. the spiritual clock. Uh, if we can, if we can uh, really at some point uh, continue this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's a that's a story that takes time, mm-hmm. and uh, and a story that's dear to my heart, mm-hmm. and it's something that uh, we need to do. We need to share that. Mm-hmm. We need to share that because again, that was the most to me. That was the most trying gift I was ever given. Mm-hmm. That was part of my overall calling, mm-hmm. and that gift is a gift that to this day um, I, I I I'm not, I'm still trying to give. All right. Well, let's uh, do this. Do this a quick second. Let's go ahead and take a quick break, and we'll be back to Prime Podcast. Again, we're joined by Lynn Jenkins. All right, we're back. Uh, Mr. Lynn Jenkins is still with us. Part two. Um, you're from New York, the Bronx. Moved to California later on, second part of your life. Uh, tell us your your sports experience. Uh, what's it like uh, living, growing up in New York, and what some of the faces have you came across for in sports? Well, sport-wise, most of us are exposed. Um, we don't run, of course, in those circles. There's no way we could. But but when you're when you're talking about the, you, you can run to them at Knicks basketball games, uh, or if you chose to go across the river to net games, uh, you could you could you were you were exposed to the Dr. J's, of course, and and all your inner city your inner city people that were coming up at the time. When you start talking about again sports wise, talk about basketball, which is probably the most popular sport in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about uh, in New Yorkers were, were pretty much spitting out guards like candy, you know. And you start talking about young guards like Stephon Marbury and Kenny Anderson, uh, Earl Earl of Pearl Washington. Um, I'm leaving off. So there's so many that come out of New York. Uh, you talk about the McCray brothers uh, that played basketball. They went to mm-hmm. Louisville. Mm-hmm. They were out of, uh, of Mount Vernon, which is right next to the Bronx. So Mount Vernon, New York. Uh, you had um, uh, you had the, the big boys. You had the, you had the boys that went to St. John's. Um, I'm going to say Malik. I can't remember Malik's last name. But anyhow, we were exposed to a lot of uh, uh, up-and-comers. And a lot of, of established players, you know, mm-hmm. when Dr. J, he's, you know, he was from, uh, I think, I think Dr. J wasn't from Mount Vernon. I'm trying to remember exactly where Dr. J's from, but he's from New York City. But I'm just trying to remember where in New York City. But anyhow, when you're exposed to the Dr. J's and the, and the up and comers in the world, we have players that never made it to the NBA that mm-hmm. were just as good as any of them. Okay, and um, uh, so uh, you're thinking that Rucker Park, which is up in Harlem, Rucker Park was the showcase spot for 
anybody that could play basketball in New York, anybody that was on the money, or anybody from other cities wow. come, would come to Rucker Park. Okay. You know, Durant went to Rucker Park. Anybody that wanted to get their basketball legacy on, you had to go to Rucker Park to, to establish their name. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it didn't matter. You're not to be from New York, but if you lived in New York, you know you had to go to Rucker Park. And if you mm-hmm. weren't from New York and you wanted to establish yourself, then you had to go play at Rucker Park. So there's a lot of players, like Gary Payton from here in Oakland. Yeah. I said there's a lot of players that went to play at Rucker Park because they knew they had, that's where they can go ahead and mm-hmm. solidify their name in, mm-hmm. in, 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 the, in the basketball world mm-hmm. in terms of non-professionals. Yeah. You know, and you can go on to be a professional, of course. Um, so I, that made me realize there was talent all over the United States. You know, um, yeah. Oakland had, as I shared with you, just a private conversation. We talked about uh, we talked about uh, the parks that you know of out here in the uh, in the Greater Bay Area, where mm-hmm. the best basketball players would gather to showcase their skills and mm-hmm. and, 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 and and to do their thing. Um, mm-hmm. And you have parks like that in Philadelphia, you have parks like that in Detroit and in Chicago. Um, everybody, I believe, in the country. Uh, uh, has that that one venue or the Drew League down in Los Angeles. Absolutely. Everybody had that that venue where you went to make your name, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, when I met you, you looked like a basketball player. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't didn't know your skill level or anything like that, but I could tell you could you, you could play ball. Mm-hmm. And you know you, you get an eye for players. You get exactly. an eye, you get get an eye for an athlete, mm-hmm. right? And uh, there's no way you were at the size you were and you didn't play basketball. If you had told me you didn't play basketball, I would have said, oh, okay, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> or you're a linebacker? Something, yeah, right. <laughs> you yeah, know what I exactly, mean? But you yeah. did something. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it gave me a fonder appreciation from uh, being being from the East Coast. It gave me a, a fonder appreciation of young men, men, friends, constituents, professionals from around the country. It gave me a better appreciation that there was talent all over this great country. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter whether you were from New York. It didn't matter whether you were from uh, Baltimore or if you were from Miami or wherever, Dallas. And Dallas produced some nice ball players like Larry Johnson. Mm-hmm. I said, uh, the fact is, you can ball. Yeah. You can ball, <laughs> you know, and so I could sit back and watch somebody that I never saw play and never heard of before. If you can ball, you can ball, and so I had a profound respect for athletes from all over this country. And uh, but when you come out of that little world that you're from, back there we're in our own little world, mm-hmm. and so that's what we know. We figure, hey, this is it. But you, once you branch outside of that world, you get to you get to appreciate, and you and you meet some wonderful, wonderful people. And, and you being one of the young old guys I've met here in my later part of life, um, being a father, uh, being mm-hmm. a husband, and at the same time uh, maintaining your skill level in the sport that you love to play, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm always proud when I meet. Uh, when I, I don't say I, I say younger people. Yes. People that's young enough, people that's young mm-hmm. enough to be my son, mm-hmm. you know. And I say I always appreciate people who are young men or young women or young men and women who, who are just doing their thing at whatever level, in whatever endeavor, <laughs> you know what I mean. And I'll always be able to appreciate that. And I'm, I'm a person that's attracted, as I told you, with my two groups. I had, well, I had the two groups back east, and then I had the one here in California, which was primarily girls in San Jose. Mm-hmm. So I'm attracted to young people, and when I see when I see what I call potential in a young person. If they allow me to, I'll speak with them on that. Mm-hmm. Or I'll try to encourage them. So whatever it is you're doing, please keep doing it. You know, don't let anybody tell you you can't. Don't think that you cannot, because the only person that controls that is you. Absolutely. You know, so you, you want to make sure that's a dream you realize. Now, my childhood did not allow me to play organized sports. You know when I played organized sports? When? <laughs> when I went to IBM. <laughs> First time in my wow. entire life. Okay. I didn't play Little League. I didn't play Pop Warner. I didn't play Pee Wee League. I didn't play Babe Ruth League or Pony League Baseball. I played none of that. Wow. So I had all this talent in me, yeah. but I didn't have the opportunity because my life didn't dictate that 
I'd yeah. be allowed to do that. So when I went into the when I went when I went to went to work for IBM, I, it was my first organized league I ever played in. But then when I went in the military, everything took off for me. Mm-hmm. Every I was like a big kid. I was like <laughs> a big kid. Man. Finally got a chance, huh? Like, yeah, because I was pretty sick because all the stresses of life that I had, I was really a sick human being yeah. when, I, when I was younger. But by, mm-hmm. but by grace of God, He healed me in my early twenties, and I was able to start or begin to realize my talent level. Yes, you know, I know I ran. You know, at my fastest when I was a kid, I know I, I must have ran a sub. I had to run somewhere in the nine five range, nine four nine five. Back then we did the dashes. Oh, we that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah hundred. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, we didn't do meters and stuff. No, no. Where you know people say, well, what do you want? What you want in hundred meters? And you know anything under. Uh, Anything under nine. You should have been an Olympian, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, but I was that fast. But you know, let me tell you something about confidence. When you don't know how good you are, mm-hmm. you lack confidence. I lacked it That's because that I had nothing to measure it by. Yeah. So I watched my friends go up playing organized sports. Yeah. And I would sit there and just marvel. They come on in their uniforms. I say, oh, man, look at yeah, that. That's yeah, a cool yeah, uniform. Yeah, 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 but yeah. see, I never wore one. Okay. And I never played. So when I went into the military, I really went off the deep end playing sports. I really went off the deep end. Then when I got out of the military, went back to IBM, I played. And then when I got to IBM here in California, I went crazy. When everybody else, here I am, uh, I played my last football game when I was about 44. Mm-hmm. And I played my last baseball game. Uh, I, I should say I went from baseball to softball. Um, I played my last softball game when I was 56. You know, and why? Wow. Because I wasn't ready to quit playing. Okay. So you got to remember, I started late. Yeah. So I stayed healthier longer. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So when you weren't beat up. Right. When everybody else was going like this, bones, I was yeah. still running around like a big kid. <laughs> I was still running around like a big kid. And my yeah. son would come to my games, and he would just marvel. But not only did I play basketball, football, and baseball, and softball, I I did running events. I did bike, biking events. Mm-hmm. I said, when, I, when my wife and everybody was asleep on Saturday morning, I was out doing 25 miles on my bike, and I was Jeez. only 26 years old. Wow. And I said, when everybody at IBM was going to lunch, I was running hills, four, four or five miles That's hills at yeah. lunchtime. Wow. Then I'd come back, get dressed, and go back to my office. On Fridays, I did, I did eight-mile flatland. <laughs> And I did this now. I was 33 years old by this time. Not a lot of people can do that, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. uh, but you know, but if you're fortunate yeah, yeah. enough to do it, now yes. tell you, more time you blessing. put in on this end, this end means your younger years. The more time you're willing to devote here, you're going to really reap the benefits on my end of life. Mm-hmm. You're going to reap the benefits because when everybody else is going this way, at least you should be maintaining mm-hmm. because you never stopped. Yeah. It's when you stop that you start to deteriorate. Wow. You, and so my thing with sports is sports allowed me to be a kid. Sports allowed me to have fun. I was a big, I mean, I was a big, I like getting dirty. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, you know, if, if I could, I probably could just roll around in dirt, <laughs> you know, because it, and whatever I couldn't do as a young man, God blessed me to, to do as, a, as an adult. Yeah, and I yeah. did it as mm-hmm. an adult forever, forever. Um, I, I was part of teams. I captained teams. I remember I captained, I, I captained a uh, undefeated football team okay. uh, at IBM. We had our own football league. We had so many employees. We had our own football league. What position did you play? Um, safety. I was okay. Safety. Yeah, I was a safety. Like um, a heads off, huh? Oh, yeah, I was a safety. <laughs> I mean, that's where my weight and stuff allowed me to play. Yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, and then, of course, you got big guys playing. Mm-hmm lines and playing linebackers and stuff like that um and i loved it i loved it i loved playing in, in those two-day softball tournaments where you play eight nine games in mm-hmm. two days i played in those and then i would go home dog tired take an episode soft bath and feel like a king the next day <laughs> but but the sports part yeah. of my life really I, I think really saved me because i never wanted to stop playing 
because it took me so long to get to that point. I never wanted to stop playing sports. And I tell anybody right now, you don't you play you play sports as long as you can. And man, if you hit 40 and 45 and you still feel like you can throw down with 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 people in your age in your age range, mm-hmm. man, you don't stop playing. You stop playing when you know you're tired of Thank playing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you that's when you stop playing. You don't stop playing just because you reach your age. Exactly. That's a lot, like, a lot that's of like people quit. say, oh, you're 30 or 40 oh, or 50, you're too to, old. Like, no, yeah. just keep playing, man. If you feel like you still can get out there and you put in the work, you know, stay in shape, eating healthy and all that, you're feeling good. Yes. Uh, it, it, most of the time, being active will keep you yes. more healthier, so you have yes. to keep on going. Don't let anybody tell you different. Anybody tell you that? What happened? So, did you, were you ever a New York Knicks fan growing up? Yeah, or? yeah, I was a New York Knicks, Philadelphia 76 fan. Okay. Anything that wasn't Boston. <laughs> I hated Boston. Those Celtics, huh? Oh yeah, I hated Boston. And, uh, and, and and so when the Knicks had when the Knicks had Frazier and Earl of Pearl Monroe and, mm-hmm. and Reed and and, and the Busher and Bradley um, and, and, and Jim Jim Barnett, uh, when they had those players, yeah. Uh, you know, that was a great time to be a Knicks fan. Bernard King, too, right? Yeah, yeah well, yeah. Bernard King came later. After Arthur, yeah, got yeah, you. Bernard got you, King came you. later. But Bernard King was another native New Yorker. Mm-hmm. Him and his brother, Albert King. Okay. They, were, they, they were two of the ones I left when I was trying to initiate how many players I've seen come out of the city. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, uh, so, and so, you know, I, 76ers epitomized an extension of the Knicks. So mm-hmm. the Knicks start, went this way. Dr. J and George McGinnis, World Be Free, mm-hmm. and uh, Bobby Jones, um, uh, 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 James Tony. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, this is before Barkley came along, mm-hmm. and the Seventy Sixers. You know Moses Malone. Yeah. And when the Seventy Sixers came along. I had a team that was within the range. Dawkins and, too, right? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Thunder. Chocolate yeah, yeah, Thunder. Yeah, Chocolate Thunder. Yeah, Chocolate Thunder. Yeah, he came along toward the end of on Doctor on James. Yeah, he did. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's what he did. Him and Barkley yeah. came along mm-hmm. after. The, the, the just a Dr. J's career, mm-hmm. but uh, Philadelphia was a great team to follow for us back east. And it seemed like every Sunday, Dr. J was on TV. Wow! It seemed like every Sunday national game, if it involved the 76ers, it was because of Dr. J. Everybody yes. in the country wanted to see Dr. J play. He was actually pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. I, you know, I saw his documentary uh, a couple of years ago, and his style of play was ahead of the curve. Oh yeah! You know, oh yeah! Oh yeah, and the first thing I, every time I think of Dr. J back then, I think of Dr. J and a big afro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had a lot of hair, man. Right, yeah. and, and and slam dunking over, uh, uh, I think it was Oscar Robinson and uh, somebody else when he slammed, he left from the foul line mm-hmm. and just slammed over both of them. That was iconic. That was yeah. iconic. He used to jump pretty far, like it was nothing. That's yeah. right, like it was nothing, and he did it with no effort. No effort. Man. No effort, and had huge hands. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Dr. J had huge hands. Oof. Yeah, it looked like he slapped you. And, <laughs> he going to court for murder. <laughs> uh, that's, that's how big his hands were. He, he couldn't hands. hit you. That's a, yeah, I've been sought with a weapon. <laughs> so when you moved to California, did you still have that that Philadelphia blood? Uh, yeah, New York yeah, Knicks yeah, and yeah, yeah. I was. I, you... I, I love basketball. Yeah, and I would I would go out to the Warriors and, games or anything like that. Oh, no, I only went maybe one or two Warrior games, and at that time I was yeah. following the Bucks. Gotcha. When they had Sidney Moncrief and okay. Marcus Johnson. And uh, and uh, Bob Lanier mm-hmm. and uh, um, um, Presley, I can't remember Presley's um, first name, but Presley and they had uh, Hodges and, and Milwaukee Bucks. People forget in the Central, IBM, I mean IBM, in the, in the in the Central Division of the NBA, Milwaukee Bucks won like ten straight um, divisions. Yeah, they were ten, pretty good. Ten straight, mm-hmm. ten straight, and they were they they were they, they were tough, but they couldn't get past. They got past. Uh, when they won their one championship, Oscar Robinson came on board with uh, with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. When he came on board with him, yeah. that's when they won their their one uh, NBA championship. Title. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and yeah. then, uh, then uh, of course, uh, 
Kareem, Kareem left to Lakers. Went to LA, yeah. to the Lakers, yeah. But, you know, again, that's another New Yorker that, uh, you know, back in the day, a lot of the schools in the ACC would not open their doors to African-American players. Wow. You know, the first African-American player from New York that I can remember going to an ACC school was Charlie Scott. Charlie Scott was a guard. He was mm -hmm. one of the best guards ever come out of New York City. And he was admitted to North Carolina, but he was the first player that I can remember because those schools back there were not opening their doors to inner city black players from the Northeast. I said, why do you think that uh, Wilt Chamberlain went to the University of Kansas? Why would you go from New York, why would you go from Philadelphia all the way to Kansas to go to school? Because they opened their door for him. Yeah. Why did Kareem Abdul-Jabbar leave New York City, go all the way to L.A., besides wanting to play for Wooden, of course, you know, yeah. you're wanting to play for Wooden, but that's probably the primary reason he went. But there were other great schools in the East, but the mm -hmm. schools weren't, they weren't as uh, inviting. Absolutely not. Yeah, so, and so, you know, and so they, you know. And California is a little more yeah, diverse. Yeah, California is a little bit more diverse and a little bit more liberal. Mm -hmm. And they can accept you the way you are. But yeah. back there, you know, it's all about what it was about. That's all I'm going to say to that. But there was a lot of doors that were being opened for players from the East, but they were opening up in other part of the country. They weren't opening up necessarily in the part of the country that we were from. Mm -hmm. Because you think about it, two of the greatest centers to ever play the game left the East Coast to go, one went to the Southwest and one went to the West. Mm -hmm. And of course, Chamberlain to Kansas and then Kareem uh, 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 Abdul-Jabbar to UCLA mm -hmm. and, kept, and made those schools dynasties. You know, so, so yeah, so my history is very vivid of why we followed and who we followed and why we followed them. But you know, being from being from the inner city, man, we only, we only had so much to hold on to that was ours. So, so you mentioned, you mentioned. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm gonna cut uh, you off. You no, mentioned okay. about the Sixers uh, and this year, 2009 playoffs. Uh -huh. um, You've been, have you been yeah. watching him? Yes. They're one and one right now. Uh, they're tied in series against the Nets. Uh, D'Angelo Russell is actually putting out a good out, output. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's a grown player, you know, from, from uh, New Jersey Nets, uh, mm -hmm. now the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. Um, I, I actually do want to talk to you about the Brooklyn Nets, though. So. But uh, we'll, we'll start with the, this series right now. And uh, you got two of your teams. Well, one of your teams are in there, the Philadelphia Sixers, but also two Brooklyn. Yeah. It's closer to the Bronx. Yeah. Um, what team are you rooting for? I mean, you kind of got to... Well, you know what I'm yeah. doing, to be honest with you, since I don't really, really have a favorite favorite. Yeah. Of course, because of their vicinity. Exactly. I'm going to pull for <laughs> Philadelphia, and I'm going to pull for the Nets, but they're okay. playing each other. Yeah. You know, and I think on, on talent-wise, mm -hmm. should Philly play up to their talent level, they should win it. Yes. Now, if they don't, then the Brooklyn Nets have a chance to upset them, mm -hmm. which would be a pretty big ups, a pretty big upset, and I tell you, and the fans of Philadelphia would be smoking. They would be pure. Exactly. It, it would be a hot mess. I feel like it would be a waste because you did all that, all yes. that time yes. to yes. trade away your picks, yep. all yep. that time to yep. wait to get the roster you have now, yep. all the time to let's do a one-year contract with Butler, let's yep. get uh, uh, yep. uh, Tobias. Other, Tobias Harris, yeah. Yeah. let's bring him in, and then just to lose yeah. in the first round, or just to lose, period, because this team is supposed to be built, exactly, Philadelphia fans were not acceptable, but this team is supposed to be built for a championship run, That's not right. something for a first round or second round, uh, and you're and loose, rightfully you know. so. Look at, their, look at their first five. Yeah. You're talking about Butler and Simmons and Embiid mm -hmm. yeah. and uh, Redick. And uh, who's the other? I'm leaving out somebody. Uh, you got you got somebody. Redick and uh, I left somebody out though because I I just said Redick. I said Embiid, mm -hmm. Ben Simmons, mm -hmm. Butler, Tobias. Okay, and then I guess Redick would be. Redick would be one so of the shooters. That's right, because Butler would be the two guard. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then Vex would be the point. 
Right? Yes. Right? Yes. Okay, so it's all fine. Okay. And uh, you got the team to do the damage you need to do. It's just that you have to deliver. Because until you do, Philadelphia mm -hmm. fans, to me, are the next raunchiest fans. When I say raunchy, I don't mean raunchy in terms of bad. No. But they're ruckus fans. You fool around there and don't, and don't, and don't produce for them, mm -hmm. they'll turn on you. And they got some solid. They got some solid um, supporting cast. Oh, yeah, you got cool. Mike Scott, Jonathan Simmons from Spurs, mm -hmm. uh, James Ennis. Um, you got you got Boban from the Clippers. Right. That's, that's a good body. He may not be all around skill wise, but somebody to put out there to to help. Uh, that's uh, your depth. Exactly, and also Amir Johnson with experience. Yeah. And uh, so they get. Amir Johnson's from LA too, right? Originally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He went to Louisville. Well, so, he was supposed to go to Louisville, but mm -hmm. he did. He went straight to the NBA. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. 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 So you, you got a lot of you got some help there. I mean, the East is really built on grit. And uh, and working down low. I mean, now they're trying to est uh, establish and start playing more West Coast ball by shooting a lot of threes. Because that's but where the league's going. That's where the league's going. But yeah. still, you have him be down low. You have all yeah. those big guys. Jimmy. You got to, you got to, man, you got to go low. Yeah, you do. You because do. if mean, you go yeah. low yeah. and you pound them low, yes, they're gonna open up them threes. Exactly. That's yes. by default. It's, it's you got to shoot it like Redick. Yeah. And you got you got Ben Simmons. Mm -hmm. You got the bias, and you got Embiid down low. Mm -hmm. That's a big team. It is. You got to give them a chance to make yeah. sure they soften them up, because all yeah. of a sudden your opportunities out at the top of at mm -hmm. the top of the at the top of the key and, and, and on the wings, all oh, that's going to open up. Exactly. That's just the, that's just the truth. Or as Samuel L. Jackson said, in uh, "Do the right thing." So that's a truth. That's the truth, Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. But you know, what I, again, I learned to appreciate. California style ball because back east because of the weather conditions uh, conditions and we had to play in snow and wind mm -hmm. during the winter months we learned to develop a guard going down inside oh Tony Nate Archibald to me was a epitomized being a, a little in the city of New York guard that when he went to the Celtics he became an NBA star mm -hmm. because he was not afraid to go down inside because that's where you earn back east that's where you earn your stripes you know anybody could take a jump shot we used to say anybody could take a jump shot are you willing to go down there and pay your dues to get to the hole exactly. and that is that right now that's Kyrie Irving. Hey. Kyrie Irving could take anybody. Absolutely. That's the kind of game he grew up playing. Well, look at Kyrie. Kyrie's got a bunch of scars. Look at Steph. Yep, Steph got that's right. <laughs> hey, out here, man, we get care about our looks a lot, so we don't right. really get in the paint as much. But we right. get down there. We have to, but right. it's, we'll stay out there in the – that breeze, man, let the ocean. Mid-range. Mid-range, man, get that shot three-point range. Three-point yeah. range, and let yeah. it fly. Yeah. Uh, Len, man, it's, it, it was great. Uh, we're going to do this again really soon. Uh, when again, we're going to get back on talking about um, the uh, the clock, spiritual clock, mm -hmm. get into other parts of your life. Uh, okay. But, uh, you know, thank you for coming on to the program, no, sharing you. your knowledge about your life, also to giving us great, great sports knowledge and life experience. Before you go, um, just give me a brief, um, if you were to speak, and I know you've been talking about this throughout right. the whole um, um, podcast, um, but if you were to speak to a young woman today or a young man mm -hmm. uh, first out of high school or even in a high school like right. that, right. and they're looking at their dreams, and I know you mentioned that you know you had a dream but didn't quite have the plan right away, right. now that you went through so many experiences, what advice would you give them if they were starting, they have the dream in their head, but they need to put that dream to pen and paper and start doing the plan so they can get going? What advice would you give them? If it's not a pen and paper type plan, then you have to have what I call an exposure type plan, mm -hmm. where you're going to expose yourself to the people who are either going in the direction you're going or they've gone in the direction that you're trying to go. And if you're willing to sit and listen and learn from them because it's going to be 
there's going to be challenges. There's going to be it, life is to me, and this is my own analogy. Life is like a minefield. Mm-hmm. There's only so many of you who are going to make it through that field. Mm-hmm. And but you got you have to be willing to go through that field because mm-hmm. that's the only way you're going to get to the other side. So you want to make sure that you give yourself every opportunity to circumvent and to survive the minefield called life because life is not always fair. Mm-hmm. And if you're African-American, it's going to be a little tougher, mm-hmm. but it's not impossible, but it's going to be tougher. And mm-hmm. my advice is be willing to listen to those who can be of value to you. And let me say this, Dan, this, there's only one absolute word in this whole wide world. There's only one absolute word, and that's the word of God. Mm-hmm. I may come to you and offer you my insight, my opinion, my experiences. And so whatever is of value to you, Aaron, you retain that. You retain what's valuable to you. The rest of what I say should go in one ear and out the other because it doesn't hold the same value. But what does hold value, then that's the information and that's what you retain and so that you can go forward. And don't be afraid to talk to people about your failures because there's value in failing, okay? There's a lot to learn from your failures. And if you ever meet a person in life, Aaron, who tells you they haven't failed, then you want to get away from them as soon as and as fast <laughs> as possible. Yeah. Because life is about fear, and there's a lot of value in your failures to, to other young men and women. And so I will talk to young men and women about my failures so they understand that I come from that, that world that they see as realistic because that's who we are, that's what we have to deal with, that's what we have to maintain. But that doesn't mean you have to fail. Mm-hmm. It just means that if you do fail, Recognize you fail and come, and, and, and come up with that resolve to make sure that you don't go down that failure route again because that's meant for you to learn. And that's what I would tell them. Don't be afraid to fail, but also understand that in that failure there is value. Mm. Find that value in that failure so that you can take that value to the next level of your successes. That's what I would tell them. Lynn, great, great time, man. Okay. Hey, it's been a pleasure, man. Okay. Um, I'm going to take a quick break. Um, Thanks for tuning in to Prime Podcast. Thanks, Lynn, for coming by. See you soon. All right, we're back. I want to give special thanks out to Lynn Jenkins. Uh, What a guy, a three-time Life Achievement Award winner. Um, This has knowledge across the board of everything. He's been through a lot. I've seen a lot and he has a lot to share with us um fortunately he has to do a part two come back because he has so much stuff to say and so much knowledge that's spread out um but hey that's what we're here for you know i bring guests on not just uh because i know them their friends mentors whatnot but um they have a story to tell everybody and advice also too people can learn um so he had a lot of great things a lot of gems that he was dropping today and uh i'm glad that he had it he was able to come on and uh Spread some knowledge for you guys. Um, we're going to watch some games tonight. Um, see some good games, and it's going to be great. You know, the Warriors playing right now against the Clippers. Warriors looking pretty good. Uh, hopefully, they continue with that the game, get that W, and uh, go up 2 1. And it starts to be an interesting series. Um, but until then, you guys have a good night. God bless. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Once again, this is Prime Podcast. Peace. <laughs>